Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 10 of season 7 and in season 7 I'm focusing on the barbecue scene in Australia. Yes, dark smoky arts in the wide brown land of Oz. And so I'm kicking things off in this season by talking to the top five ABA and KCBS teams of 2019. And today's guest is Steve Allen from Smoke and Steve's Barbecue. Now he is a really busy guy. Not only does he uh, do all the different work things that he does that we'll find out about shortly, he's all he's got his barbecue side of things happening as well and he's got a 10-month-old baby in the house as well. So while we're recording this episode, he's actually sitting outside because the baby's a bit uh, under the weather at the moment and is, is, is making a bit of noise. So we are going to have a bit of wind noise under the recording. I'll do my best in, in post to clean it up. But uh, yeah, I, just to uh, let you know, there's going to be a little bit of wind noise, but I think we'll cut him some slack. The man's got a 10-month-old baby in the house. I certainly remember what that's like. Um, now, so, smoking Steve Allen. He is a favourite on the barbecue circuit in Western Australia. I met him when I was over at Smoking in the Valley in November over in Perth, and he did a cracking job over there. You would have seen my photographs from the event. Um, Steve was up there with his teammates collecting some trophies there by the end of the festival, and uh, he was having a great old time. For our international listeners and our American listeners, Perth is literally as far away from the Gold Coast as you can possibly get in Australia. So to put it in perspective, Gold Coast to Perth is 4,367 kilometres. For the American listeners, LA to New York is 4,488. So we're talking about sort of travelling from Gold Coast to Perth is similar to travelling LA to New York. Or for the European listeners, it's like trying to drive from Portugal, Spain to Moscow. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite the distance. And the big difference is, of course, with Australia, that there's nothing in the middle. It's just a huge red desert. And 98% of people will catch one of the only six flights a day across the country because if you try and drive it, there's a good chance you're going to die. So, uh, yeah, that's where we're heading to today. Um, thankf- thankfully for the internet, I'm able to connect with, with Steve over there in Perth. And he is currently number one, well, sorry, for 2019, he was number one on the KCBS ladder for chicken and number one on the KCBS ladder overall for Western Australia, which is absolutely fantastic. So in this episode of the podcast, we're going to find out about his 2019 story. We're going to find out what he's got planned for 2020. And then we're going to dive into the West Australian barbecue scene. As I was explaining before, there's that giant red desert filling up the middle of Australia. And there does tend to be a bit of a divide between the East and the West. So on the East Coast, typically we've had uh, ABA and we're starting to get SCA competitions and we've snuck in a few KCBS. West Australia is almost exclusively KCBS and they've also got things like all sorts of different trees, so they smoke on different types of woods. It's going to be a really interesting conversation to find out sort of what are some of the differences between the East and the West Coast because Australia is that huge wide brown land with such a wide range of flora and fauna. So we're going to see what impact that has on the barbecue scene. We're also going to talk about what the introduction of KCBS has meant for the WA barbecue scene as a whole. We're going to get Steve's ideas on what are some WA barbecue teams that you need to be following on Instagram right now and some WA uh, barbecue businesses as well because there are some cracking people doing some very interesting stuff over there. And then 
Steve's going to give us a bit of a bit of a lesson, a bit of a, some tips and techniques about the dirty bird. We're getting we're going to get into the chicken, as he is the number one team for 2019 for chicken. I figured he'd be the bloke to ask. So that's enough out of me. Let's get stuck into this podcast. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Good afternoon, Steve, and welcome to the confessional. How are you, my friend? I'm great, mate. Thanks for having me. Anytime, mate. Anytime. How's that blueberry shisha? <laughs> it's good. They don't call me smoking suits for nothing, I guess, but uh, I'm considering this me time in the backyard, so it's uh, crucial to enjoy it. Multitasking, the, mate. That's my uh, ability. <laughs> yeah. Modern life is all about multitasking. That's it, mate. So, uh, tell us about how you got into barbecue. Oh man, uh, a long time ago. I'm trying to think if it was what year it was. So it's a blur. But I mean, what got me into barbecue was uh, watching shows like your yeah, Man vs. Foods. Um, I was a big follower of Anthony Bourdain, no matter where he went. And there was an episode where he went to Austin, Texas, and he met the Aaron Franklin of uh, Texas, and. Uh, just got me hooked and I thought, well, no one's doing that here in Perth, let alone, you know, even Australia. At the time, I couldn't think of anyone who was doing something like that brisket that I could see on TV. So that was a, yeah, that was a, the point where I thought, okay, I've got to do something here. Because um, I, I did, I love to cook um, even before I was doing barbecue. And uh, um, yeah, in my personal life, a lot was going on at the time. My dad had passed and um, we, you know, we were big on, watching those kind of shows, had back surgery. So I needed something to do after that because I couldn't do much. I was just sitting around the house. So that's why I ended up getting as my first smoker, a Bradley uh, digital, the six rack Bradley. Um, and uh, that's that's where it first started for me. And uh, then I would get my mates around and they loved the ribs that I was smoking and because no one had really had anything smoky before. I wasn't really doing much. I was just smoking and wrapping some ribs um, for some poker nights and then just escalated from there to the point where I, uh, <laughs> one of my mates wanted me just to cater for his wedding, um, which I'd never done before. So I had to buy a second Bradley for that. And of course, uh, of course. everyone loved it. <laughs> just, just to feed enough people. I think it was about 80 people for my first rodeo. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah. <laughs> But it turned out well, and uh, everyone was happy. And uh, and even before, actually, before the wedding, after the surgery, it was two weeks out of surgery, and then I was told that there might be a competition in Perth. Uh, the very first one that Stefan Jenner was running, called Smoking the City. And um, I mean, I could barely move out of bed, but I thought this is cool. I've got my Bradley. Um, let's give it a crack. And I, I was told there was three proteins to cook. And for the very first comp, I'm sure you're aware now, as Stefan's told you, that it, we rocked up on a Sunday morning at 5am and uh, we had to cook three proteins. It was pork, ribs and brisket and turn in at like one o'clock um, the same day. So it was like a real hot and fast kind of um, competition, which yeah. was nuts. Um, so we had to bump in at like 5am, start the, start the smokers and cook and then turn in the same day. It was stupid. It was only six teams, I think. <laughs> so <laughs> I ended up winning pork for that, which was cool. And I thought, okay, now I'm hooked. I've got my first little um, little gold medal. It was back, back in those days. It was a little medallion. Um, and it just blew me away. I'm like, 
this is great. So, um, and then he did the following year and then it was 12 teams and that was the first one that was overnight. Um, and then from there it grew. And then I, uh, after that, I, my obsession grew and I ended up flying over to Austin and cooked over there for a month at Micklewaite Crafts Meats. And um, basically, I just emailed a whole bunch of um, barbecue restaurants over there. And I just said, look, I'm a guy over here just cooking, doing comps, want to learn. I'm going to work for free. I'll just use my rec leave over here and um, just willing to, to learn and be a sponge. And I got about three or four replies, which was great. And everyone was really friendly. And um, But I chose Mickaway because they're traditional, real old school Texas um, with your offsets, just nothing but wood, post oak. Um so yeah, that's that's where it led me to, and I um, just had a great time in Austin. People are great. The the town's awesome. Uh, very hip, progressive young town. Uh, had a great time, and with my knowledge, I came back and I thought, okay, it's time to buy myself a uh, offset. <laughs> wow. So tell me more about so, working at um at at Micklewhite. Uh, so I was getting up at five a.m. Um, lighting the fires. And uh, I was just basically learning how long each protein was cooking, um, and uh, just just how they make the like. And and things that I learned the most was funny enough chicken, which I'd never smoked before. And I realised well, it can take a lot of smoke, and, and it and it sticks pretty well. And um, that surprised me the most, as well as sausages. Obviously, the jalapeno, cheddar style, te- Texas snags. Um, they were also doing like the barbacoa, the, like the pulled beef, and the the beef cheeks, the goat, they were also doing goat over there. Um, but the biggest thing I learned over in, in, um, with was one of the sides was the jalapeno cheese grits, um, which is basically just your, your standard polenta mixed with a lot of milk and cream and cheese and a bit of gorgonzola and garlic and just stirring that, keeping it nice and slow. Um, it just, it was just absolutely delicious. I've never tasted anything like it. So, um, I took that back with me and put it in my arsenal whenever I do uh, uh, events for my mates. I'll always uh, cook that just like we had uh, Australia Day last week. So it's always on the menu for Australia Day now. <laughs> yeah, cool. You're the first person who's, who I've met who's actually been able to give me a decent explanation of what grits are. Um, my, okay, yeah, my, yeah. My, my wife's American and so we've got a, like a bunch of expat friends and they all sort of shrug their shoulders and say, I don't know what it is. It just tastes good so we eat it. Yeah, I think there's other types of grain that you can use for grits because I was in Nashville a couple of years ago as well. And uh, their grits, grits were a little different because it was for breakfast and it was just, it was very plain. I didn't actually enjoy it and they, they knew I wouldn't enjoy it. So they allowed me to choose another side dish with my bacon and eggs <laughs> <laughs> because it was like just a real plain grits. I don't know how to explain it, but it just had nothing to it. But they must add, I think they were adding sweet things to it as well, like honey jams and things like that. Um, and just stirring it up, but yeah, chose with the French toast instead. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, so after Austin, um, oh, it's a bit of wind coming, sorry about that. That's all right. Uh, so after Austin, I got back um, and I um, purchased a BSG offset uh, 20 inch, and um, I think his name's Dan. He was. Uh, building them out of Queensland, I believe. Yeah, that's uh, right. Memory. Yeah. yeah. So I think I own the only BSG offset in Perth. I, I don't think anyone else has one. Um, so once that um, got delivered, I was hooked and started 
learning the craft on the offset and then the following smoking city came back and won ribs and uh reserve grand champion i think for that one so um yeah that was uh in a nutshell the origin story of um how I came to be smoking Steve's. Yeah, and now you just get to uh, to, to run around and just collect all the all the different trophies and things. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've had good years and bad years, and um, it's just you're always learning. You, you gotta you gotta just uh, keep up with the with the other teams because um, if you slack off and you keep doing what you're used to doing, other teams will catch up. So, um, um, but a big inclusion to the team. Um, in 2017 was my mate Reese, um, who we, we met through a mutual friend and he has a, uh, Southern ocean smoker, I think it's called no Southern, what's it called? Uh, no, it is Southern, Southern ocean. ocean, um, by, by Molly. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 sorry. Not Southern ocean. He, he's got, uh, something Creek, Silver Creek. I, oh, think. S- I can't remember. I'm Silver sorry. Creek. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Silver Creek. Oh, I've mine, mine was converted to on wheels by Southern ocean by Jason, um, who does an amazing job with, uh, offsets over here but we um caught up and i invited him to join my team because at the time back in the day it was just myself and um my partner my now wife so um i was just doing basically everything by myself and my mum would always rock up so we were kind of like a tight-knit family team because my mum was and still is the the queen of the parsley boxes she comes and in the morning <laughs> on the sunday and does the perfect parsley box that's just her job and and she 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 walks up the she does the walk as well once we boxed up and she walks them up and makes sure you know the box is clean and so she looks after all that and the admin and so she's been my number one supporter and been with the team since day one but when Reese came on it was just a big help because um, we do nothing but wood so we're just old school to the T with only only one smoker and um, so we make life hard for ourselves but we enjoy the challenge um, so all proteins out of the 20 inch um, BSG and Reese does not sleep which is great for me because I get like <laughs> three four hours sleep um, to be sharp for the for Sunday so I can slice and box um, but I don't know how he does it and I, yeah don't know what I do without him so um, got to thank him for that but um, yeah he smashes the monsters and the, the no-dos I think and it just keeps him going just watching the wood um, but yeah so that's our team yeah very cool and um, so you said that you had put the put the BSG onto a trailer um, and you yeah. said that you cook everything at the uh, in one smoker so do you have you adapted your cooks to run all at the one temperature or have you or do you like heat it up and cool it down at, at certain times? No, we're pretty much running at the same temp. Obviously, we'll put um, certain proteins on earlier, like the, the briskets and the, the, the Bostons. Um, but when it gets to crunch on Sunday morning, yeah, we're just running at around 250. And we just have to really watch and make sure we're not lifting the lid too often and we keep a, a tight schedule and... Um, I mean, we've done enough now that it works, and but it is challenging with one smoker. Um, I'd like to know actually how many teams in the top ten actually use one smoker and only two cooks. But um, so we're we're proud of that, you know. Yeah, yeah, I I do much the same when I compete. I've got a radar hill vertical, and I run it at two seventy five, nice. and I've adapted all my different uh, my different processes and cooking and all that sort of stuff so that everything gets cooked at two seventy five. Beautiful. That's the way to do it. So, man, tell me about 2019. What did you do? Competitions you entered? How you fared? All that stuff. 
Man, 2019 was a big year for, for me and the wife personally because um, my son was born in April. Um, so out of action for a, for a couple of comps. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we, we weren't part of Smoke in the City and um, there was a one in Chidlow in May. So we basically had a lot of time. Like once once Leo was born, um, I had a few weeks off work and um, by June... Reese and I started practicing and um, we did like a Christmas in July event for friends so we could utilize the time to cook proteins and trial and error and taste um, rubs and sauces and different meats and just, just practice basically. So we used, we had a lot of time to rest, recoup and did wonders for us. So um, our first comp was at um, Chidlow. Um, I think that was September. And um, so we got third out of 17 with a first in chicken. Um, and that was a great comp. And then it was it was basically one after the other. So we had three months with three comps. Um, so then it was October was Bruin Q, which is run by Barbecue Events Australia. Jason and Ian do an awesome job. And that was an amazing event. So I came, we came 40, four, fourth out of 30 teams. Uh, we got two call-ups, third brisket, third uh chicken and then um november smoking in the valley and you were a part of and we got second we got rgc by one bloody point but we were very <laughs> happy with what we produced <laughs> um but congrats to king Disku for making it over from the east and um yeah he did an amazing job he, he um yeah showed us how he how he how he rolls um him and his wife and um we got rgc with the first chicken um, and I think we got another call up too, but yeah, so we had a, we had an amazing year. We we're very consistent. Um, the only thing that let us down funny enough was our ribs when traditionally back in the day we would, we were doing really well with our ribs, but I guess, um, it's just what, what you're concentrating on at the time will, it will change and change the outcome. So I think we kind of let our ribs slip when we were focusing more on brisket and chicken. So it's a matter of just keeping on top of every protein because if you're if you're not consistent on all four um you, you can slip away um down the ladder so um that's what we, we've been doing over the summer it's just been working on our ribs now and um getting ready for uh, a big 2020 yeah yeah so what what do you have lined up for 2020 well, in fact, next week is a big one. So we've got the Governor's Cup um, that Stefan Jenner's running. Um, so he's he's chased up the top 10 teams. Um, and if they're not available, he'll go to the next one down the line within KCBS. Um, so that's happening next week at the Governor's House, um, right in the heart of the city, which would be a beautiful location. Um so, and that's a winner take all prize of five grand. So you want to make sure you win it or else it's going to be costly and it's going to annoy you. And that's happened to me <laughs> in the past. Actually, we had one in Perth. It was the top teams of Perth. And I think it was about 13 teams and, um, Gorilla Warfare took it out by a smidge. And we both had about the same three or four call-ups and, uh, it was down to the wire. So they took it out and congrats to them. But, that was annoying coming second in the winner take all comp because you just walk away with nothing, but you get a few trophies, but you know, it's, uh, it does help when you get some cash to pay everything off. <laughs> oh, so there's not even any prizes for like second or third. No, no, it was nothing. It was just oh, a, an wow. overall GC price. Yeah. So that's what this one is next week. I believe it's five grand. 
for first and nothing else for second. And the proteins, I'm pretty sure. So, um, yeah, you've got to be on your A game. So, so there's not even any any prize money for the individual proteins. It's literally you get GC or you get nothing. Well, if it's the way it was run last last time, yeah, that's that's the way it'll be. It's uh, I'm pretty sure. So that um, yeah, I'm sure Stephen Jenner will confirm that. But yeah, five grand is the prize money. That's um, fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nuts. But um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> How does that change the atmosphere compared to competitions where there's more, where there's a more even spread of prize money? Um, I think the atmosphere is still decent. Everyone's, you know, we're especially in Perth, we're a tight knit community, and um, everyone's having a good time. I don't think it changes too much with the atmosphere, but obviously, when it comes down to the the call ups, everyone's really listening out and doing the maths and trying to work out who's had such and such call ups. So it could, can come down to the wire as it has in the past. Yeah. <laughs> and so but what else is coming to 2020, up? In, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um uh so now we're uh we're available for whatever happens in April and May and we know that last year we we're out but um this year we're good. I got the all clear. So as long as it doesn't coincide with Leo's first birthday, I should be sweet. Um, uh, so we should be doing Swagman City if there is uh, Swagman City and um, Chidlow. They'll be spitting the hills in May, and and the subsequent um, comps after that. Um, so we're aiming for four or five comps this year, and it's looking like they'll all be KCBS, which is handy too because we only did three in 2019 and we were able to get um, fifth overall. So we're pretty happy with that and first in chicken and we're blown away with that. So um, yeah, it'll be good to see what we can do with more comps under our belt. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to, to start your season in September, finish in November, do three comps, as you said, finish fifth overall and first in chicken, man, that is a phenomenal effort. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen for you this year. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, so you've uh, sort of uh, been to Stefan Jenner's first ever competition, as you said. He does a lot of um, charity barbecue competitions. Yep. He does a lot of great work over there. How have you seen his competitions evolve? Oh, man, but first and foremost, without him, I, I wouldn't be where I am with the competition scene and, and we owe everything to that guy because he's just gone out of his way and spends all his time and, you know, um, all the work he does is just amazing and we, we, we owe a lot to that guy. Um, and we got, you know, a lot of new um, companies coming forward like Barbecue Events Australia who are doing great events as well. So it's just, fr- from the start, it's just grown phenomenally and, you know, we went, like I said, from 6 to 12 and then it went into the 20s and then in 2017, um, I won uh, GC at Smoking the Water and that was the biggest comp we had in WA. Uh, forget how many teams, but it was a lot. Um, and it's just um, it's just amazing to see WA coming together, and we're we are close um, um, outside of the barbecue events. Um, we, we do catch ups, meet ups, we do um, um, classes. We have a we have the Perth Barbecue School with Gus. Um, we just got a number of things, and you know we're always helping out each other. Um, helping sourcing wood, helping sourcing meats. And um, we've got a lot of guys to thank for that. Um, but yeah, in regards to Stephen Jenner with the charities, it's just been um, phenomenal what he's been able to do. And it's 
it's it's always great as tips for treats. Um, so we're we're happy to um, provide our offerings to members of the public, and we know it goes to charity, which is great. So um, yeah, we owe a lot to that guy. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnott. Yeah, so Steve, we were just getting into the uh, West Australian barbecue scene there just before the break. Um, mm. we've, we talked about Stefan Jenner and the evolution of the charity barbecue scene over there and how he's really driven the competition side of things. Um, what can you sort of share with us about the WA scene in terms of uh, trends, uniqueness, local ingredients, flavour profiles? You briefly mentioned woods. I think we might like to get back into that again. Sort of run us down on on sort of what sets the WA scene apart. Well, I think um, in terms of flavours, we're not, we're not unique, but we're, we're just – WA is just a big sponge. We learn from what we see online, from what we see over east, from the US, and we're just – we're just willing to learn. We're willing to share. We're willing to just give everything a crack. So um, I don't think there's like unique flavors, although Stefan Jenner will tell you he's got his unique indigenous rub that he uses for brisket that he won't tell anyone. But, <laughs> um, but I mean, we're, we're just, um, yeah, we're just a big sponge over here and everyone's, and, we, and we've got, we've got people making their own um, commercially available rubs now Um so that's that's awesome to see. In terms of wood, I mean, we use mostly jar over here. It's a local native wood. It's dense. It burns well, um, and it's cheap. So jarra is like our iron buck. Um, it's it's awesome. We use it a lot. Um, and if you use a smoker like an offset, um, that gets beautiful airflow. It's not going to be over smoky for any protein. Um, uh, but apart from that, like we've got plenty of. Uh, Orchards and areas in the southwest that are providing a lot of um, cherry and apple and fig and lots of fruit trees. And every now and then, someone will post um, a heads up that someone needs like four tons of wood gone. So if you, we just had it recently, where if you had a if you had a trailer, bring it down for fifty dollars, you can get a trailer load of um, I think it was cherry wood. Oh wow. Um, <laughs> 50 yeah, bucks. It, it was, yeah, it was nuts. I'm pretty sure it was 50. And um, people were going all the way down to Mangemart, which is a good three-hour drive from Perth, I think, um, two and a half for some. Uh, and, uh, yeah, people were just loading up. Unfortunately, I had, I've got no room and the wife will kill me if I have more wood here. Um, <laughs> and and I have no, I've got no ute, no trailer or anything, so uh, I missed out on that one. But, um, yeah, we got we got plenty of um, local businesses um, that are – um, selling decent rub sources um, and and local fruit wood as well. So we're we're in good hands. I mean, a long time ago, if we're talking about um, meat in particular, you could not like when I first started barbecue, you could not find um, decent brisket anywhere. And, and it was funny when whenever I went into a butcher and asked them for a brisket, that the first question I would always get every time is, "Do you want that on the bone?" Because the only people who were doing brisket were people who were boiling it um, and making stews and using the bones for stock and things like that. So for a long time, and I'd have to get up a picture of an American full packers cut brisket on my phone and show, show the butchers like, yeah, nah, we can't get that. That's I've never seen that before. So it's, it's amazing where we've come 
Um, and what's available now is just a nice, a lot easier now with, um, with the meat. Um, we've got a number of great butchers here with the sauces, the rubs. Um, so yeah, we're in good hands. We, we, we look after each other and, um, we support our local. That's what WA is all about, I think. Yeah, I, I definitely got that impression when I was over there. Um, is is Troy the Secret Butcher still still in operation? I went and visited his um, his setup there, and it's this sort of almost clandestine. It feels like you're walking into a fight club, and you yeah, you, yeah. you walk inside, the doors open up, and it's quite large inside, and there's just this plethora of American barbecue style cuts and whatnot. Is he still uh, doing his thing there? Yeah, he is, and I was there just last week getting my um, order for Australia Day that I usually get. It's my tradition um, every Australia Day, getting my briskets and a couple of nice prime ribs to cook for the pitmaster's dinner the night before. And um, and yeah, I'll, I've been seeing Troy since the very beginning, and he's just blossomed, and um, he's just uh, a lovely dude, very friendly, happy to help, happy to source what you need. Um, and he looks after a lot of... Um, businesses here like Big Don's um, and and Gus and and everyone. Um, he, he's just a great guy and he's he's north of Rivers and I'm a northie too, so um, he's not too far from me and always having a, a good chat with him and he's, a, he's an awesome dude. Yeah, yeah. Is his, is his business name actually The Secret Butcher or has he got a – is that just his nickname? Well, people know him by either the Secret Butcher or Troy's Meats, um, and he's got a business page for Troy's Meats. Um, but I think he has a sign called the Secret Butcher as well, because back in the day it was just word of mouth, and it was just a number of us going to him, and then word got out. And it's just uh, it goes to show it's testament to WA. Um, it just grows organically, um, and um, everyone caught on, and then he ended up winning, I think, Butch, uh, Butcher of the Year for the ABA. Um, 20, I'm pretty sure, yeah. 2018 or 2017? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was I think it was last uh, – yeah, 18 maybe. Yeah. Uh, um, but anyway, he's recognised. He, everyone um, over here, you know, I just like to that guy for just getting in decent cuts. Um, but, yeah, he's just an example of, of, a, of a butcher who's adapted and is learning and he's going with the trend. And obviously more and more cuts now are American barbecue style and – um, and he's sourcing the best. Yeah, it's kind of the uh, kind of the moral of our modern society, isn't it? You got to evolve, or you're going to get left behind. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we're getting a number of butchers now. Depending where you live, you'll have your local that'll just source American cuts. And um, um, and on the we've got plenty of Perth style um, barbecue groups, and everyone will ask, "Oh, where do I go?" And you'll get ten or twelve comments on which one to go to for this and that. So um, yeah, it's awesome to see. Yeah, no doubt. Now, from what I've uh, read when I was uh, studying Australian geography at university, going way back now, I understand that there's quite a large food bowl area sort of in the in the southern east, uh, no, just sort of the southern area of, of WA there with, with a pretty big beef scene. So do you guys do a lot of local WA beef or do you grab all the sure wagyus and all that sort of stuff? Uh, it depends what you're doing. If it's for your backyard style, you'll get the – the younger beef here, the yearlings and the, the cheaper cuts. But, I mean, obviously for comps, um, I don't think there's any really from WA that are doing competition-style nine-plus Wagyu, um, et cetera, um, cuts. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams like um, Mr. Carter from 
ribs and pigs. He swears by the Sherwagyu and it goes, you know, proofs in the pudding because he finished number one in brisket, as you know. He did, um, yeah. So he, he loves the Sher. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, more, more, um, actually, we, we actually use more local pig um, from what I see because um, obviously a lot of guys like to try the old whole hog and the whole pig on the spit or the, the pig in the smoker and everyone helps as to where to source local decent pigs um, and there's a number of guys that can help you in that area. So um, I see that more than local beef, um, to be honest, but um, but that's just my experience. I could be completely wrong with, with the beef scene, but obviously um, all the butchers are sourcing decent beef um, but I'm just talking from a competition sense on, on the companies that I've used um, seem to be all over East. Yeah, that's interesting. So is there a particular breed of pig over in WA that, that the people sort of go for? Because I know over here in Queensland there's a um, there's a huge sort of following for Bangalow, for Sun Pork and um, uh, Meet at Billy's. The brand is ex- is escaping me now, but he's got a pecan-fed pork that he's yeah. got up there. Do you guys have like a special special pork over there? Well, the one I, I always hear about is Berkshire pigs. Um, I don't even know if they're local or what. I, yeah, I don't know enough about this, but I, I've had a – back in the day before I was doing um, American Barbecue, um, I saw a show and they roasted a pig's head. So I've got I've got a couple of chef friends and I just asked them if they can get one for me wholesale and I'll just give them some cash. And um, so I got this Berkshire pig head um, delivered and <laughs> saw, it, saw it in half and cooked that up and it was absolutely delicious. And I, and I was told Berkshire's a delicious pig. But I've heard of sun pork as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm not too sure about that. But that would be a good conversation for um, one of the butchers maybe to um, discuss the, the trends and the... The, the various cuts and, and um, yeah, and the different breeds. Yeah, I might have to get Troy from the Secret Butcher on the show and pick his brain a bit on on, on what's happening. Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. He loved that. Yeah, yeah. Now I did hear a rumor when I was over there at um, Smoking in the Valley that someone had actually flown over to Melbourne, bought and picked up some Sher Wagyu, put it on ice in a box, and flown it back to WA with them. Um, for that competition, was that Mr. Carter? I uh, don't think it. I don't think. It, I mean, it could be, but I did hear that Ray from Warnbro did something similar, where he flew over and picked up some um, some briskets. But I'm not too sure about that. I did hear that. Um, I'm not too sure who it was though. But um, ironically, at the moment, with um, all the challenges with the bushfires and everything, and with our main delivery route um, getting um, affected, we've actually got a shortage of brisket at the moment, I've been told, which is interesting. Um, So, yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. We're the comp next week. Luckily, um, the butcher I go to, uh, which is Tender West Meats um, in Belmont, he's he's sourced me, he's stored a couple for me for the comp, but... um, yeah, it's also salmon. For uh, whenever I was going to a couple of weeks ago, Coles and Woolies over here, salmon it was just hard to find because they're all coming across Nullarbor um, and getting delivered over here, and there was just a shortage at a lot of the stores. Um, but yeah, it's just a side note. Yeah, I guess I hadn't really sort of thought about how that would impact uh, about how the bushfires would impact um, food routes. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Perth is uh, you know it's challenging. 
<laughs> well, as I as I was saying at the at the top of the uh, at the top of the episode, it's there's so much between the diff- between the two coasts. It's you know technically it is one country, but sometimes it feels like two. Um, yeah, yeah. So, what is the introduction of the KCBS meant for the WA scene? Um, it, it's great because it puts W on the map and it get, we get to see how we stack up against the rest of Oz and the world as well. So, um, that in a sense is, is great. And, and, and as you said at the top of um, this podcast that we, we were doing ABA at the start. Um, and then, and then Steph and Jenna got onto KCBS because back in the day, Stephen Jenner was just doing his own system that he adapted from KCBS and some others. And now that we're sanctioned properly by KCBS, it's it's um, it's been awesome because now we, we we've got something to look forward to with our points, and we can work towards something. And um, and that, and that's just adds more motivation. Yeah, one thing I love about it all is that um, KCBS really opens the door to opportunities in America. I mean, if you get a GC at any KCBS competition, you get an entry to the Royal. That's very cool. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's awesome too. Um, and and it just runs smoothly. Like um, the guys who are sanctioned um, above the judges, the guys who run the comps, um, and we're getting the, the same three or four people and they're awesome. I wish I knew the names to give them a shout out, but uh, they're, they're great. Uh, everything runs smoothly directly after you're getting your points and you're getting your tallies on paper and um and yeah it's it's been great it's it's just a well-oiled machine and now you've seen a couple of teams come over from the east coast we mentioned king of uh, king and his queue before um and i think uh big smoke barbecue dan barrett went over for the brewing queue barbecue festival over there Bruin Q. sorry yeah, yeah brewing queue sorry yeah um and we've seen yeah. Stephen Carter come over f- with ribs and pigs over to the Brisbane Barbecue Festival over here. Do you think that the KCBS is giving sort of more of an opportunity for some interaction between the East and the West Coast? That's exactly right, yeah, too. I didn't think of that, but that's definitely um, another plus as well. Um, and it's good to just meet these guys from over East. Um, and, yeah, like I said, see how you stack up against the best over there. Um, and, yeah, there's a number of Perth teams have the capability to um, fly over and either take their rigs and do the big drive, which is always fun, or fly over and uh, there's teams over the, over east who are happy to support and offer up some smokers. And on the flip side, um, we've seen a number of teams like Lance. Um, he comes over and he's had a number of uh, help. Uh, he gets support from Molly's Moist Meats every now and then with smokers and goes to show it's, it's a great community across Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I seem to remember, um, I think maybe two, maybe three years ago, uh, Boyd Colgan, I think was his, Colgan, I think was his surname with, um, Sangropa barbecue. Yep. Drove all the way across. uh, Yes, that's right. He drove all the way across (laughs) and then all the way up and down the East coast and just murdered everybody at every barbecue competition, just up and down the whole East coast. Yeah. He's awesome. That guy. He's, he's a lovely dude. Um, he hasn't done too many lately in Perth, but um, he did Chidlow and I was fortunate enough to be next to him and have a chat with him. And he still caters um, and he's just all over the shop and he's going really far north. He's going, he's just, he's just a guy who loves to drive. He loves to travel and 
yeah, that year he killed it. He, he did really well. Yeah, and, and he did it all by himself on a smoker trailer rig that he built himself. It was just a fascinating yeah, story. Yeah. yeah, awesome guy. Yeah. Alrighty, so we've sort of wrapped up the, the WA scene there. What are some of the some of the big barbecue personalities that we need to be following on Instagram right now? One of the big ones here uh, would be the Perth Barbecue School. Uh, they're doing um, great things. He's got classes on every weekend. Um almost every weekend and um he also competes and he's in the top 10 so i'll be competing against him next week um and they're posting great photos and um so he's one to look out for um then that's gus face griller as well his secondary one uh you've got uh, big don smoked meats he's um doing amazing things he's cooking great brisket true texas style in perth and he's doing pop-ups all over perth um and he's alongside tristan who does the smash burger barbecue uh, that's probably in my top three best burgers in Perth. Um, you've also got David Ong, who's a big personality in Perth, as most people know. Um, he's always posting. He's just posted a video, I think yesterday or today, about um, how to deep fry chicken. Um, he's doing a lot of things, just not just um, you know traditional barbecue side, but um, he does a lot of other things as well, like the Nashville hot chicken and things like that. So he's another one to watch out for. Um, that's all I can think of at the moment. You got um, you got Southern Ocean smokers, like we mentioned before. So Jason from Molly's, he's um, building the biggest and best smokers in WA. Um, some other personalities, obviously the Smoke and Barbecue Charity um, on Facebook. Um, if you want to keep an eye out for competitions that are upcoming, follow him. Jules and Glenn, as you you spoke to when you were here from Smoke Not Jagged. They're awesome. They're, they're lovely people. Uh, uh, they're fantastic. I call, <laughs> I call Jules the first lady of barbecue and uh, <laughs> she's a sweetheart. She, um, I just saw today she posted she's doing a, a ladies barbecue class um, just for the women. Um, so that's awesome. She's doing that. Um, and Jason Linto, as I mentioned earlier, from Barbecue Events Australia. Follow them on Instagram. They're always posting and they're getting big names over like we had Big Mo. Um, Big Mo Kason, he's got Harry Sue over for classes, um, a number of big chefs from Vegas, and uh, they're putting on a, a number of events. And they're also doing um, a backyard barbecue series for the amateurs who haven't done too many comps. Um, and I've actually put my hand up to judge that, and that's in, in a couple of weeks. So um, that's good that they're trying to build uh, the WA barbecue scene as well. So that's going to be good to see how that goes. And Gives, gives people a chance if they're a bit novice. Um, and I think it's only two proteins as well and it's just a one-day thing and it's provided, the, the proteins are provided from memory. So um, that's a that's really cool, cool event. I wish that was when I first started. But um, so, yeah, we've got a number of great people in WA doing amazing things and um, just yeah, sharing the love and helping it grow. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. So, Steve, now's the time to get into the dirty bird. Let's talk chicken. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> so give us a bit of a rundown, man. Like what, what sort of cuts do you prefer to cook and sort of just give us a, just some ideas of, of, of what the number one KCBS team for chicken in Australia likes to do? Well, I'm doing um, thighs and I've only ever done thighs, so that's all I know. So I can't provide too much on other cuts, but um, I just I just love the darker meat. I always have it. 
wherever I go, especially when I go to Nashville. Um, I get the Maryland with the, with the dark meat. Um, I've been to Gus's world famous chicken in Austin. I always get the dark meat there and it's great. You can select dark over white as well, but, um, that's all I know. That's, that's what I do. Um, in terms of, in terms of, uh, tips and tricks, I mean, with chicken, you gotta be careful because it's not your traditional low and slow cut. So, uh, what I'm doing is just, just watching those temps because if you, uh, if you miss it, it goes over pretty quick. So, that's the biggest lesson is really just watch your temps, make sure you get it right on the money or else it can get dry pretty quick, depending on what you do. Um, but yeah, just like as with all the cuts, just practice, um, uh, practice your flavor profiles, practice different cuts, practice, um, with different smokers. If you have the opportunity a different wood, um, and, uh, yeah, that's all it takes. Yeah, so do you, with those thighs, do you like to cupcake them or pillows or do you serve them yeah, very kind of, like you were talking of, about before? No, no, I do like a, like a pillow. Um, and um, it takes the most effort um, out of any um, protein for, for in regards to prep um, because I, you know, remove the backside of the skin. I'm, I'm removing the fat from that area. I'm just making sure it's it's even throughout each thigh as well um it gets quite messy takes the longest um but yeah that's what i that's what i'm doing beautiful and you mentioned before that you only run wood in your in your smokers do you mm. use a different uh, like flavor wood when you cook chicken or do you just run it on the straight jam or jarrah yeah i'm i'm using jarrah as my base for all my meat, but when I first put on a new protein, I'll go to a fruit wood, either um, cherry or apple, um, or whatever I get my hands on, <clears throat> whatever's in season or whatever's available at that time. Um, so yeah, when I first hit the um, the smoke, I'll, I'll look for some fruit just to combine with a with a bit of jarrah, um, just to get that nice smoke through. But um, with it, like I said, with an offset, um, I'm getting clean smoke all the way through. I'm not really having any issues with um, anything being over smoky at all. Yeah, well, that was the next question I was going to ask. Like some people swear by just putting a simple little kiss of smoke over the chicken, whereas others say, you know, slam it with the smoke. So do you sort of fall into the spectrum there or do you sit, sit at one end or? Nah, I mean, I don't really, uh, yeah, I don't really, uh, uh doesn't bother me with the with the amount of smoke because it's it's always going to be the same throughout all my meats. It's it's not like I'm producing more smoke. Maybe I'll throw the the fruit wood to the side a bit so it's not directly over the fire, so it'll slowly smoke a bit more um, and longer. Um, but uh, I've never really been told, or my, my own taste, I haven't really found it to be over smoky. So um, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there with Webers and Kamados and and different types of smokers where they got to be more careful with that um, approach. But for me personally, I haven't really had that issue. Yeah, I guess uh, cooking it in an offset does sort of afford you that flexibility of being able to really physically build that fire. And as you said, put that smoking wood off to the side and really sort of control the burn fully. Yeah, and and, and again, every smoke is different <clears throat> as well, even even with offsets. So you, you learn your hotspot, you learn uh, which areas are providing um, – good heat or too much heat and you just got to adapt and, and learn, learn your, learn your beast. Yeah. And h- how do the judges enjoy chili on chicken over there? 
Um, I'm not sure because I haven't tried too many other teams with chili. Um, I don't use much chili at all, but um, yeah, that's interesting. I've thought about how much people use in terms of chili on even on pork or other meats as well. Um, you got to be careful with judges because you could get that one judge that hates chili and that could ruin your score. So you got to really find that balance with the with the sweet and salty and a bit of chili, I guess. Yeah, good point. Good point. Well, look, man, thank you very much for those uh, for those tips. They're absolute gold you've been laying down there for us. So I'm, I'm going to throw the studio over to you now. So give some shout-outs to whoever you'd like to shout-out to and tell everybody where they can track down Smoke and Steve's Barbecue. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate this. Um, so I'm on Facebook, Smoke and Steve's Barbecue. Um, so I want to give shout-out to Reese. obviously. He's um, my right-hand man. Um, I wouldn't be where I am without him. Um, I want to thank Stephen Jenner, as I already have. He's just amazing. He's done a number of great things for the barbecue community in Perth. Um, and my mum, she'd be pissed if I don't include her in this. <laughs> so I've got to give her a shout out. She's been with me since day one with the with the parsley boxes. She is the parsley queen, and a number of other teams have asked and requested that she would provide her boxes for them for $20 a pop and she's she's thought about it but I don't think she will <laughs> um, oh absolutely um, she should do that <laughs> yeah. she'd stack them all up to be, a, be hilarious yeah. Um, yeah shout out to my wife for letting me put up with my um, she puts up with my crazy obsession and allows me to spend weekends away and uh, yeah and thank you for doing this mate oh you're welcome and thank you again for, for being a part of the show Appreciate it, mate. It's a pleasure. And there you have it, family. That wraps up this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Huge thanks go out to Steve from Smoking Steve's Barbecue for joining us here in the confessional. The man obviously knows his barbecue, and if you're not following him on the socials yet, you best get on it because I'm predicting big things from this team in 2020. And how good does that chicken sound? I'm going to have to try out some of those tips this weekend. Um, I'm particularly interested in what he was talking about with uh, the, how he physically builds the fire and rolls that the the flavor wood off to the side. I'm gonna I'm gonna get into that and just sort of see how the different rate of burn is going to affect my chicken. That's going to be really interesting. So make sure you do that too and share your pics of what you do in the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook, so we can all see your barbecue glory. So I'm going to leave you with, with one last thought. If you are looking for the hottest barbecue merch out there, head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com shop and check it out. There's a link in the description for this episode. And if you buy a shirt, a cap, tumbler or a hoodie, I will love you forever because that will give us a couple of bucks towards our trip. Now, our trip, we're going to the NBBQA conference in Louisville in April. That's the National Barbecue and Grilling Association. That is the biggest annual barbecue conference in the US and it's focused solely on the business of barbecue and it's really going to be a fantastic time for me personally because I'm actually presenting on stage there this year so that is really exciting and we are really really looking forward to that it is going to be so cool so until next time take care of each other and keep on queuing thanks for listening to the smoking hot confessions podcast head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.